Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. We're actually honest with ourselves. I think everyone in this room, even though it's Easter, uh, we exaggerate stuff a lot. You are exaggerators, and I'm an exaggerator too. And we exaggerate a lot of things. For those of us who are a little bit older, we tend to exaggerate the stories from our past, like our childhood stories, you know, like, I was the king of kickball in all my school, and honestly, you were the last one picked, right? Or something, we exaggerate to try to feel a little bit better, or our stories just get a little muddled over time. But the other true piece of this is that we exaggerate things on social media. So I, I'm, on, I'm on Facebook and Instagram with some of y'all. You do not have the perfect families you put on there all the time. Like, we put the perfect pictures, and we exaggerate, and we, we want to just kind of feel better about ourselves and give that beautiful picture of who we feel we want the world to see who we really are. We exaggerate. And I'm an outdoorsman. I, I enjoy outdoors. I, I, we live in Wisconsin, so if you're from here, it's kind of like we're, we're born into it. But uh, one of the things I really love is fishing. Now, fishing is one of my favorite things in the whole world. But I'm a catch and release guy for the most part. I could go out for hours and just fish and fish and fish. And, you know, I, I throw them back, you know, and it, well, not all the time. Most of the time I throw them back. And I come back home and my family always gives me the same story. I'll say, guys, you won't believe it. I caught this amazing four pound largemouth bass. Man, I'm, I'm telling the story. I had this frog on the top water. And blah, I'm telling the story. And before I even get partway through, they're already rolling their eyes at me. Yeah, right. I'm like, seriously. And they say, well, where are all these big fish that you catch all the time? I said, well, I throw them back. How convenient. <laughs> well, here's the true story of my bass. Uh, it's the size of my lure, but in my mind, this whopper was crushing me. My pole was bent in half, and I had this amazing time, and the truth is, I, he wasn't even able to be kept. But we exaggerate. We all exaggerate. Maybe you can relate to me in some ways in this. One of the things that we are dealing with within our culture now is this idea that we don't even really know what's real anymore. I mean, if we're honest, we look at things that are completely photoshopped. We see videos that are made up. We have deep fakes. And I really got into this show. Now, if you know this show, if you know, you know, right? This show, Is It Cake? Have you ever seen the show, Is It Cake? This is the premise of the show, Is It Cake? They make these professional uh, bakers. They make cakes with the sole purpose of doing this, fooling you so that, you, that it looks like real food. And then they have judges come in. So I watch this one, they're making hamburgers. And these these amazing artisans are making these hamburgers, and they put four other real hamburgers, and then these panel of judges have to figure out, is it cake? Which one is, yes, I know, I need to get a life, I hear you. <laughs> You're all staring, but if you know, you know. And, and so they, the whole premise is, can you fake cake to look like a hamburger? And they get fooled all the time, it's unbelievable. So we're moving even deeper into a time of information always at our fingertips, but we have to ask the question, is it real? We're here at Easter, and for some of us, this is just a beginning story for some of us. This might be a new story into Easter and Jesus and what God did. You're, this is new to you, and for some who have been grown up their whole life inside of a church, they've 
heard this story a million times, but we have to always blend these two stories and ask this question. How do we really know this happened? Because if this is real, there's a completely different story than if this was a deep fake. This could be completely and 100% made up. And if you have that question, I want to welcome you into a story because the disciples 2,000 years ago didn't think this happened. So if you are new to Bible reading or just engaging it, you're going to read about a group of people who are completely freaked out when Jesus died because their entire mindset coming up to this was that they thought he was the Messiah. Now he was dead. Oh no, what do we do? They thought everything was over. They thought they're going to be killed. They're, they're scattered. They're running. They're scared. And they didn't believe. They didn't understand. So if you're in that place I want to welcome you into the story of those disciples who walked literally with Jesus for three years and they had questions. Sometimes in the church world, we'll say, you're not, we kind of push off. You're not allowed to have those questions. You're not allowed to have those doubts. Here at Mosaic, you can because we are broken people on the journey of finding who this Jesus is. And so if that is where you are today, I want to welcome you into the story And if you're like, Jason, I know that I know that I know, I want to give you a different perspective today. I want to give you this perspective that if this was real, how different is your life today? If this really happened, if you know this is all legit, has your life been so transformed by the fact that the Son of God came and died and rose again? Can we actually tell if we were to look at your life? But before we go there, I want to dig into our passage. We're going to be in Luke 24, 13 to 35. But before we read that, I'd like to flash back to tell you just what happened to catch you up. For those who have Bibles or Bible apps, you can flip there now. Luke 24 will be in 13 to 35. But I'm going to go back into Luke 24, verse 1, and give you a real quick synopsis. We start this story uh, with uh, Jesus had died on Good Friday. That's the celebration that we recently had on Friday. Jesus was crucified, and at his crucifixion, they now took his body and they prepare him for burial. Burial looked different, obviously, in their times versus ours. And they're preparing the body. But because of the time of day, at sundown begins the Sabbath for the Jewish people. So when sundown comes, they're no longer allowed to work, and they were not allowed to be ceremonially unclean. Ceremonially unclean definitely meant the touching of a dead body. So you can imagine as Jesus comes down off the cross, they now have to hustle and bustle to get his body down, get the tomb, get him in the tomb, wrap him in some linens, and start the preparation of his body, which would be with different spices and different things to basically entomb the body. And so this is all happening, but sundown comes, and so they stop. And so in scriptures, something very unique happens. Saturday is silent. Saturday is silent because it's their day of rest. So they now go to celebrate the Sabbath. Now imagine this. You just went through Friday, your master, your teacher, your Messiah, the chosen one, the one who has given all this love in the community, all this love. Let's just say this. Let's say your best friend. This had just happened on Friday. They come to Saturday, and now they go to a time of Sabbath, which is a time of worship of God. I wonder what that looked like. Did they sit in a room silently looking at each other? Did they weep? Did they cry? Were they scared? But they did not work. And so the story picks up now at sun, at the sun comes up. Now Sabbath is over on Sunday. So this is confusing for our culture 
Because for us, Sunday is what we would call, quote-unquote, our holy day, right? Our holy day of the week. Monday is the beginning of our week, not so for the Jewish people. The Jewish people, Saturday was their holy day, and Sunday is their Monday. So what's kind of cool about this is that Jesus works on Mondays because he rose on a Monday. So there you go. So we look into this story. So Jesus now enters into the story of the, he's in the tomb. The women now on Sunday morning come. And as they go there, we see Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James. They go to finish preparing the body. But when the women got to the tomb, they found it was empty. So Mosaic kids, all you Mosaic kids out there right now in your fill in the blank, if you're doing the fill in the blanks, here's your fill in the blank. When the women got to the tomb, they found it was empty. Now these women have been through a lot, right? They just went from their master and their teacher being crucified. They just went through Sabbath. They go now to prepare the body. And guess what happens? He gone. So he's completely gone. And you could imagine their absolute terror. What would you even think? The body's gone. But at the same time, something even more just crazy happens. Two men that look like lightning are sitting next to them saying, what are you doing? So you want to talk about anxiety, right? Oh my word, we've been through a lot. Heart attack about to happen. Two men, these are angels who have come and asked this question, didn't you listen to what he told you? He's doing exactly like he said he did. Why are you looking for the, li- the, dead among, the living among the dead? Why are you looking for someone who's alive among dead people? Now, that's a dad joke if I ever heard one. Like, we're, we're, in, we're in a graveyard, man. This is where dead. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? They couldn't have said Jesus is not here, but I like how they put that, right? Because they're bringing back to memory that which Jesus taught. He told you guys this was going to happen. And so these women now take off and they run back. There were 12 disciples who were down to 11 because Judas betrayed him. So Judas is out of the mix. Judas is going to kill himself because of all the weight of what he had done to Jesus. There are now 11 disciples at this point, plus others. There's a large group called the disciples in which we don't know that number, but we hear about the 11 or the 12 quite a bit. So now they run back to this room and they come back and they're out of breath. Like, guys, you have no idea what just happened. I mean, could you imagine this? You think people talk fast? Imagine how fast they were talking, completely out of breath. I'm telling you the news. There's a rock, rolled away. Jesus' body, gone. Two lightning. What are you doing here? God, he's gone. They said he risen again. Jesus is alive. Uh, I think the Easter hand you just ate was spoiled. I have no idea what you're talking about. They're not going to believe that. Can you imagine the silence in the room as they looked around? Because the Bible doesn't say, and then the 11 disciples rose up with a great, joyous, triumphant song, and they started singing, praising God. That's not what happened. They thought they were crazy. You have been too stressed out. You're dreaming. They're frustrated. I would, I would be mad. Mary, enough already. Stop it. We were there. He's dead. He's not coming back to life. There was going to be tension in the room, and tension in the room is going to change because we see one disciple sitting Peter. Peter is contemplating what's happening. Imagine him sitting in the corner and he's thinking. And he starts processing things, things that Jesus had taught. And then it says, Peter takes off. And so he runs because he's got to see for himself. I don't believe you. I don't, I, this can't be real. So he takes off. He goes to the tomb. But when Peter gets to the tomb, the tomb was empty. 
Mosaic kids, this is your second fill in the blank. When Peter got there, the tomb was empty. It was just like they had said. So now the tomb is empty, and these rumors are starting to go all across the land. And the most interesting thing about the early church is when they talked about Jesus, the teachings were taught about, of course, what he did. That was known. His resurrection is what all of hope rested on. Because just because Jesus died did not mean you were saved. Jesus died and rose again was the completion that he was the son of God, the chosen Messiah who filled everything that was said was going to happen. So we're going to jump now into Luke 24, 13 to 35. It'll be on the screen behind me. Feel free to read along in your apps or your Bibles, but also on the screen. This is now later that day. Check this out. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about things that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. And I, okay, I always put my mind like into movies. Like I could see him turn like, bro, like, you know, like, are you kidding me right now? Like, are you kidding One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two two told them all happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. We pick up our story in Easter evening. We see these two men walking to a village called Emmaus. And Emmaus is approximately seven miles from Jerusalem at a decent pace or talking at a two-plus hour walk. So two plus hours are on this walk. They're going out of Jerusalem. Now, all of these pilgrims have come to Jerusalem to celebrate the festival of Passover. Passover is eight days of celebrating and remembering that way back in time in the book of Exodus, we see that God had saved the people by having people sacrifice a perfect, unblemished lamb, take the blood over the doorpost, and death passed over them so that their firstborn sons were not killed as part of the plagues. And for those, I make this reference often, the Charlton Heston Ten Commandments, 
the plagues, which is on every Easter. That's the story we're talking about. Though that's not a true, it just, he, Charles Heston's cool. So having said that, so this is what's going on at this time. So they're there and they continue this celebration. This is a very large festival for the Jewish people. And so the pilgrimage to the capital of Jerusalem is a very normal thing. In fact, we see the Last Supper with Jesus and his disciples celebrating Passover. So the people are starting to pilgrimage out and go back to their towns. So they're on a road, and we're not going to assume it's two men walking by themselves. It would have been a large crowd. So it's not weird that a, a man would walk up to you and start talking to you while you're walking. So they have a large group of people. There's donkeys. There's animals. It's noisy. People are talking. It's dusty because they're on dusty roads, right? Put yourself. It's the heat. So they're walking along here, and there's conversation. These two men are friends or related of some sort, and they're talking about, can you believe what just happened? They're talking about Jesus. They're talking about the crucifixion. They're talking about politics. Yes, they loved to talk about politics back then too. And so all that, we, we don't like talking about it, but we start putting all these things together, and we start to see on this pilgrimage, a man walks up to them and starts asking him, hey, what just happened in Jerusalem? And so that question in and of itself is that what are you talking about? This is the biggest thing that's ever happened. And so they start to share this story. They're broken. And the word disappointed is in there. They're disappointed because this Messiah was supposed to save them, not in the way they thought. This Messiah was going to save them from Roman political rule that they were going to get saved politically, that they were going to be a superpower. That's what they thought the Messiah was supposed to be. And so now Jesus comes in and is dead. They're like, well, it's over. It's over. Even though he taught completely different things. So if you have your way, you want your Jesus, and he's not matching up to it, like why isn't Jesus the Jesus I want to be or the God that I want him to be? You're in good company because his disciples did the same thing. They wanted Jesus the way he wanted them packaged, and they, he's going to save us, and they just didn't believe it yet. And so they move along in this way, and they start talking. And Jesus now, being the master teacher, starts going through all of the Old Testament. He starts reading through the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. He starts explaining to them, not reading, explaining, and explaining everything that says talking about the Messiah. And one of those passages we would assume most likely was Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is a huge passage in which we, it's a clear depiction of the Messiah. So I want you just to listen to this. This is a prophecy written years and years, thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years before Jesus was there, long, long time ago. Isaiah is written, and we get this passage here. It says this, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before them like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Listen now as we start entering into that Good Friday to Sunday. Listen to this. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Like all, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, 
yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep before its shears was silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with, with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my, righteousness, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I give him a, por a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So Jesus is walking, and he starts to share Isaiah 53. Let's go back to this prophecy. And he's reading this. So this Messiah is coming. He, he was going to be beat down. He's going to be crushed for all of your sins. And they're walking and talking. And they're like, yeah, that's a great speech, teacher. Keep talking to us. And he's telling them all these things. And if you notice in the story, knowledge did not change their heart. Knowledge and information did not change their heart. Jesus is still walking and talking, and they didn't turn and say, ah, oh, rabbi. Now, part of this is that they couldn't recognize him. For whatever reason, he's being clouded. But the information that he's giving, you have to assume this, that Jesus is reminding them that when they go back, hey, remember these things? Now go tell everybody else. That's discipleship, is that we tell what God's given us, and we tell, and we tell, and we tell. And so here we have this discipleship moment that he's explaining, do you, you guys know these words? You already know this text. Let me remind you, you guys who are a little bit slow right now. And so he's explaining it all to them, and they're walking like, oh, that's a good speech. Hey, it's late. You should come eat with us. That's where we pick up the story. He tells them all these things like, hey, it's late. Don't keep walking. Come eat with us. Very hospitable, very kind. They're followers of Jesus. We'd assume those things. But not all followers of Jesus are nice. We all know that, right? Uh, except here, of course. So, we go in, and he sits down to eat, and they're like, join us. And so he sits down to eat, and he takes the bread, and he rips it. And he gives thanks. The last time we saw him do that was at the Last Supper. And he said, this is my body that's broken for you. And once again, Jesus takes the bread, my body that's broken for you. Now, he, we don't see those words repeated, but the beautiful analogy between these two bring those two together. The last time he had anything to eat was on Good Friday with his Passover with his disciples. Now the bread is being broken. My body that's being broken. He gives thanks, tears the bread, and they're like, bro, that's Jesus. Gone. Gone. Now, I don't know if I'd be freaked out. I don't know if I'd be excited. I think I'd have this huge mix of emotions that are going on all at the same time. And this is what's so amazing about this. Once Jesus showed himself, they believed. Because the empty tomb was the beginning of the disciples actually believing Jesus was the Savior. Mosaic kids, this is your last fill-in if you're doing it. The empty tomb was the beginning of the disciples actually believing Jesus was the Savior. The empty tomb was the start. Jesus is gone. But if that's as far as it goes, if we don't believe that Christ actually rose from the dead, 
then everything in the scriptures would say, well, he's not the right guy. His raising from the dead was everything. It was the most important thing that could have been spoken about. So when we put all of these pieces together, that Jesus was alive and that the resurrected God, he is here, Jesus is alive, and these men, after a seven-mile trek, turn around and run back seven miles. I'm a long-distance runner. I enjoy it. I'm not good at it. But let's just say 14 miles is a lot of miles in a day, especially in those old-school sandals. I got my squishy brooks. I got all these fancy shoes. And then I'm done. Like, oh, my back hurts. These bros said, we got to go back. And so they hustle back. They run back to start to tell them everything that they had just seen. It's going to be at night. It's going to be sketchy. It wasn't really known for safety on those roads. They could care less. The fact that Jesus was alive was the most awe-inspiring, mind-blowing thing that they had just walked with the risen Lord. Imagine the moment when he tears it and they see it's him. They recognize the Son of God really is who that he says that he is. The, to everything comes together in one moment and he's gone. We, uh, we got to tell somebody, let me grab my Twitter real quick. Tweet, Jesus is alive. Like, what would you do, right? Jesus is alive. And so they run all the way back. They get to Jerusalem and they start to tell them everything that had happened. Because Jesus being resurrected is the reason you can be forgiven for sins. Because Jesus not only took our punishment, he beat death. That is so important today. If Jesus is alive, that means death is defeated, which means you defeat death when Jesus Christ takes your punishment for you. It meant everything. And so they run back to the group. And when the disciples start to hear this and they're explaining everything that's going on, they now start to spread. And the, more, the message they give was not, hey, everybody, you should all go to church on Sundays. It's really important. Go to church and join a Bible study. They said this, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. They went around everywhere. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. The most important message we can give as followers of Jesus Christ is that Jesus is alive over and over and over again. Because if he had died in that tomb, he was just a really nice man who did really nice things and was a really great teacher, and he was a man who's dead. If he really was the son of God, he fulfilled all the prophecies written thousands of years before him. It all came together in one moment. And if this is true, now Jesus is the true king. The true king is Jesus. Because now that he has gone through it and he has suffered and that Jesus has risen from the dead, that means that Jesus is now King Jesus. And King Jesus now is creating a kingdom. And his kingdom looks a lot different than the place we live in right now. The place we live in right now has its ups. The place we live in now has a lot of doubts. Life is hard. Life breaks us. But in Jesus' kingdom, everything's flipped upside down. In fact, when we go back to listen to his teachings, if you read the red letters in your Bible, which are the teachings of Jesus, we actually see something beautiful. We actually see him always talking about the kingdom of God. And that's what he came to bring. And now us who accept Christ as our Savior, he's building his kingdom in which it looks completely different, a kingdom flipped upside down. And this king wasn't a king who made people join him. He didn't lord it over them. He invited people in and loved people who were jacked up. So if you are jacked up and broken, 
First of all, that's why we're mosaic, right? That's why we named it, this broken, unique pieces brought together and made beautiful because of Jesus. Then welcome to the story of God because Jesus loves broken people. Welcome. Because now Jesus has died, he now says to you, I am bringing you into my kingdom. Are you poor? Welcome. Are you broken? Welcome. Do you have a bad past? Welcome. Are you happy? Welcome. Are you sad? Welcome. Everybody's welcome. There are no pretenses. Everyone's welcome to the kingdom of God. Because the tomb was empty, because Jesus was alive, because he was the Savior, it means that he's the king. So I say this to you this morning. Jesus is alive. He is alive. And if I'm wrong, it doesn't matter because you're not going to know. It's just going to go to blackness and then you're just gone. Just like before you're born, I was wrong. If I'm right and Jesus is alive, you're going to see him face to face. And the scriptures say this, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, whether you want to or not. Everybody's going to do it. You're going to see the king and you're going to go to your knees and you're going to confess, Jesus, you are the Lord. For me, I know that I know that I know. How do I know that I know? I was not at the tomb. I did not see the resurrected Jesus Christ. But what I've seen in my life is the evidence over and over and over again of a life transformed only by something bigger than myself because I've turned from death to life, from darkness to light, and I will give my life, and I am giving my life for that message to be heard, not only in Washington County, but for the world. Will you join me in a journey because Jesus Christ is the King. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.